once we learn to use our mind to train it, it will do some astounding things for us, as you'll soon see. Jose Silva, born August 11, 1914, and he lived till February 7, 1999, the author of the Silva Mind Control Method. Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast and part two of our review of Jose Silva's Mind Control Program. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator who, like many of you listening, have been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind any high-performance strategy that's proven to increase our results in our schools, our sports, or our modern workplaces. If there's something new that I come across that can help us in any way, I'll investigate it, connect it with the most current research, and then share what I learned with you here. At the start of this year, I reviewed Napoleon Hill's best-selling Think and Grow Rich book with a deep dive into many of the concepts that have been put to a practical test by millions of people around the world over the years. This is the book that my mentor, Bob Proctor, spent his lifetime studying, and it remains on my desk as a resource to visit when I need some inspiration or some wise words of wisdom to push me forward. Then I came across Jose Silva's work on our recent episode 260. He's got a fascinating program that I heard about when I worked in the seminar industry, and I knew it was time to slow down the podcast and see what Jose Silva's program covered, and if his work could help all of us with whatever it is we're working on. My goal with this review of the Silva Method is to help all of us to learn something new, to refine our current meditation practice, whether we're working in our schools to improve learning, in our sports environments for improved results towards a specific goal, or in the corporate workplace to generate new ideas. I wouldn't have picked this book to review if it hadn't have made such an impact on the world, like Napoleon Hill's book. In part one of our review, on our last episode, we covered chapter one, using more of our mind in special ways, an introduction to the Silva Mind Control Method. We covered what this program has done for others. In chapter two, we met Jose Silva. And then in chapter three, we looked at how specifically to meditate with a review of the brain states beta, alpha, theta, and delta. We learned how to quickly access the alpha state to improve creativity and intuition. Then we looked at using a mental screen in our mind for heightened visualization. Finally, we thought about how this method could help ourselves and others using this mental screen in our mind. After recording this episode, there were some important parts that I forgot to add in, but since each of these episodes is cumulative, building off the last episode, I'll be sure to add in anything important along the way. As I'm writing these episodes, I'm also learning here along with you. If you're listening to this episode and have not yet listened to part one, please do begin with part one of this series to maximize each concept that we'll be learning and practicing. Each lesson builds off the next in the Silva Method, which to me could be described as a combination between meditation and self-hypnosis all in one. I'll be sharing Silva's method chapter by chapter with clear examples of how to put it into practice 
and how his method can help all of us to train our brain to do some astounding things. I wanted to cover the Silva method on this podcast as years ago, no one spoke about the power of hypnosis or meditation in our corporate workplaces or in our schools. It's taken some time, but now these concepts are no longer weird. They're mainstream, embraced worldwide, and have helped millions of people from celebrities and high-level CEOs to regular people in search of their own personal breakthroughs. I hope this episode series will help each of us to sharpen our saw with our own meditation practice and help us to reach new heights in our personal and professional lives. On today's episode number 262, we'll cover chapter 4 of the Silva Method, Dynamic Meditation, and chapter 5, Improving Our Memory, and we'll build off from where we left off on our last episode, where we were practicing building mental images on the screen of our mind while in the alpha brain state. In chapter 3, on dynamic meditation, it involves training your mind for organized dynamic activities that Jose Silva thinks is what our mind was designed for. He says once you've reached the meditative level, to simply stay there and wait for something to happen is not enough. It's beautiful and calming, and it does contribute to your good health, but these are modest accomplishments compared to what's possible. This is where the Silva program gets exciting as we step past passive meditation techniques to use it dynamically to solve problems. Now we'll see why it's so important to perfect what we see on the screen of our mind and why daily practice of these skills is crucial. So let's do this. Let's use our mind for something that's useful for us, something of value. It all begins with our imagination on the screen of our mind, but Silva says there's four important laws that we must follow next. The Silva program says that whatever it is you want, you must. First of all, law number one, you must desire that the event take place. Two, you must believe the event can take place. Three, you must expect the event to take place. And four, you cannot create a problem. When I heard these four laws that Silva wants us to consider before we begin visualizing what we want, I connected them to Napoleon Hill's best-selling book, Think and Grow Rich, probably because this book review is still fresh in my mind. For law number one, you must desire that the event take place. This reminds me of the second chapter of the Think and Grow Rich book. If you recall, this is the chapter where Barnes had a burning desire to work with Edison, so intense that he burned all bridges behind him. He stood by his desire until it became his dominating obsession of his life. So before you begin to use the screen in your mind, think about this. Do you have a burning desire for whatever it is you want to create? If not, keep thinking for what you really want and choose this to focus on for this activity. Law number two, you must believe the event can take place. This reminds me of chapter three in Think and Grow Rich, the chapter on faith, visualizing, and believing in the attainments of the desire. Napoleon Hill said that every person who wins in any undertaking must be willing to burn his ships and cut all sources of retreat, and you'll do this because you won't believe in any other outcome. 
in part two of our Think and Grow Rich study, I wrote an example I saw while researching Dr. David Sinclair, who we covered on episode 189, and he's come up often on the podcast with his pioneering work in the field of anti-aging. While researching him, I found out that he had self-funded his trip from Australia to MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, to interview to work in their lab, which he ended up doing. He didn't let his lack of funds stop him from finding his way to MIT. He had a clear vision of what he wanted, and he believed in his vision, and he didn't let any obstacles get in his way. So before you begin to use the screen in your mind, think about this. Do you believe the event you'll create on the screen of your mind can take place? Unwavering belief drives behavior, and it will come through and be obvious by the way you walk, with purpose, the way you talk, with conviction, and finally, by the actions you'll take, directed towards the attainment of whatever it is you want. You'll never outperform your self-image. Without belief, you'll miss the boat. Law 3, you must expect the event to take place. While reading Silva's Laws, I couldn't believe that they were all a part of Napoleon Hill's best-selling book. I wondered if Silva learned from Hill. I'll never know for sure, but expectation connects everything we're doing, and when we expect something to happen, when it eventually does, we'll recognize it because it's been in our mind all along. In Silva's program, you'll have spent some time with what you want on the screen of your mind, so expecting it is the obvious next step. And law four, you cannot create a problem. This law says a lot about who Jose Silva was as a person. He says there's plenty of evil on this planet, and we humans perpetrate more than our share of it. This is done in beta, not alpha, not theta, and probably not in delta. He says his research has proved this, and I believe him. I don't believe in time-wasting to prove what Silva has already proven, but if you want to use the alpha brain state to wish ill will on someone else, you'll be wasting your time, as you'll quickly snap out of alpha in this process. You must only visualize something that's for the betterment of mankind. So let's use the power of our mind now to solve a problem. To practice this, choose an event that's a solution to a problem you have, something you desire, believe can come about, and can learn to expect it with this exercise. Step number one, pick a problem. Follow the steps that will get you into the alpha brain state from our last episode, counting backwards from 100 to 1 if you're beginning this practice, and then lift your eyes upwards about 20% from the horizon And with your mind, create a mental screen where you'll recreate the problem you want to solve. Relive the problem by seeing it and feeling it. So an example for schools, a problem could be a poor grade on a test resulting in an overall poor grade. For sports, the problem could be a losing streak or poor performance leading with the loss. For the workplace, the problem could be lack of sales in your organization or poor performance somewhere. Pick the problem you want to solve and then visualize it on the screen of your mind. Step two, now take some sort of action. Next, you'll gently push the problem scene off to the right, which Silva explains in his book will represent the past. The past is now over, so push the problem aside. 
to the left of the problem that represents the future, create a new mental screen with the solution. Whatever you imagine will require action of some sort showing you solving the problem. Most of us don't spend time thinking about the present moment or the future. We can easily get bogged down in what happened in the past. This is what I love about Silva's method. The past is over, moved off to the side, and now we focus only on the present, taking action to solve the problem, and the future, which will highlight the changed outcome. So for schools, a solution could involve a student studying with more focus, or maybe a new strategy. For sports, a solution could involve practicing a skill that is known for needed improvement. For the workplace, a solution could involve presenting your product to a group of people who see its value and decide that they're going to purchase a large order. Now move on to step three. It's the solution. Finally, the action you've taken pays off and you'll envision the solution on the screen of your mind. Everything here is positive and all the feelings associated with the problem have been resolved. You celebrate the win here in as much detail as you can. What does your win feel like? Who's there watching you? What do you hear? What do you see? Involve all of your senses. For schools, you can picture the students celebrating when they see their efforts were rewarded with an A-plus grade. And this A-plus will lead to many more, eventually allowing the student to receive an honor roll award at the end of the year. For sports, you could picture your team celebrating when the practice pays off with a win that eventually leads to a trophy or an award at the end of the season. And for the workplace, you'll picture your team celebrating when they receive the large order that came from the hard work from the recent presentation. The whole team celebrates by hosting a lunch where all those involved are recognized for their efforts. These are some examples of using the Silva method to train your brain towards your desired outcome. Does it always work? No, Silva says. But with time and practice, you'll start to see improvements that you might chalk up to be coincidences. He suggests stopping this practice altogether, and then the coincidences will stop. Start back up again, and they'll reappear. You'll see. Just practice this, and then let me know what you see. With practice, I promise you, the results you see will be more and more astounding. The part that I forgot to mention in our part one was that in this mind control exercise, you'll establish two routines. One is for going to your level with the countdown method, and the other is for coming out of it. Silva suggests at the end of step three, after you've successfully visualized your solution, to say this out loud or in your head. I'll slowly come out when I count from one to five, feeling wide awake and better than before. One, two, prepare to open your eyes. Three, open your eyes. Four, five, your eyes are open and you're awake feeling better than before. This entire process with practice can be done with just a 15-minute block of time, especially once you've reached the countdown method when you get to five to one to enter your level. You can also reach this state at any point in the day, morning when you wake up, at night, before sleep, or any time of day that you've got a block of time where you can close your eyes and visualize yourself solving your problem. Now moving on to chapter five, improving our memory. 
We've covered memory hacks on this podcast with episode 145 with Howard Berg, the world's fastest speed reader on strategies for improving reading comprehension and recall, or on episode 149 with two-time Guinness World Record holder Dave Farrow on focus fatigue and memory hacks. I'll use what Howard Berg said in our interview together, as he said, take a list that you know already and link it to what you want to remember, which is exactly what Jose Silva suggests with his memory strategy. Howard had me remember a list from 1 to 10 using words and images. He said 1 looks like pole, 2 is like shoe, 3 is like a tricycle since it has 3 wheels, 4 is a car because it's got 4 wheels, and 5 is a glove because there's 5 fingers in a glove. Next, Howard had me speed learning this list of numbers using imagery showing me how to remember longer lists of numbers with these images. If you've ever attended a seminar with Bob Proctor, he also did this activity, linking words that we want to remember to a list of 10 words we already know by what he would call ridiculous association. With the audience, he'd brainstorm and pick a list of 20 words that they wanted to recall. The audience would shout out 20 things. And if you can read my writing, I put a snapshot of the image of this activity in the show notes. Bob would tie the words we want to recall that the audience created to the numbers that we already knew by ridiculous association. So one was always run. The audience picked a water bottle to remember. And he would say, imagine a water bottle running around the room. Two was zoo. And then the audience wanted to remember watches. So he'd say, imagine a whole bunch of watches behind the glass with the lions as they're walking around at the zoo. So he's tying the new word to the word that we already know. Three is tree. And the word that we wanted to remember was telephones. And so he would say, imagine a whole bunch of telephones growing off this tree. So you get the picture. Bob's memory technique was like Howard's, linking images, ridiculous images that were difficult to forget with a list of numbers that we already knew. Silva also believed in creating visual images to remember words, and he called these images memory pegs and mentioned this type of learning as a whole other area. But to keep it simple, he says to remember something is all you have to do once you've learned to work with your mental screen is to visualize a past event that surrounds an incident you believe you've forgotten, and it will be there. He says an incident that you believe you've forgotten because in reality, you've not forgotten it at all. You simply don't recall it. And he says there's a significant difference. He says our brains record far more than we realize. And he goes on to give some fascinating examples of what people have remembered while they're under general anesthesia, which is a whole other area I'll cover another time. Then he goes on to teach the three-finger technique. In this chapter, Silva shows us how we can use this three-finger technique to help us to quickly access the alpha brain state and solve simple things like memory recall. He says, here's how simple it is. You just bring together the thumb and the first two fingers of either hand, and your mind will instantly adjust to a deeper level, and it will accomplish what you want. Try it for yourself right now. Step one. Join together your thumb and your first two fingers. And what do you notice? He says this instantly brings us into the alpha state. 
Step two, repeat silently or out loud. Whenever I join my fingers together like this, for a serious purpose, I'll instantly reach this level of mind to accomplish whatever it is I desire. I heard Vishen Lakiani, the CEO of Mind Valley, say that he calms himself down during public speaking with this method. I agreed that it's very calming, and I've been using this technique to relax when I'm feeling stressed or anxious. I just used it yesterday when I was driving my girls in heavy traffic. Silva also said that a teacher from Denver used this three-finger technique to teach her students spelling with a list of 20 words. To test them, she asked them to write down the words that they studied that week. They recall the words using the three-finger technique, and then they see the words on the screen of their minds. She's able to teach all of her students to remember their spelling list with this method. This concept is not new. It's often how people place their hands during meditation while sitting cross-legged, but Silva has taken this technique to new heights, and those who've applied it to their line of work have noticed a significant improvement with memory and recall. Remember, when a person learns to function mentally at this deeper level, creativity is enhanced, memory is improved, and a person is better able to solve problems. So to review part two of the Silva Method, we covered a review of part one from episode 261. Then we covered chapter four, dynamic meditation. We covered the four laws that must be in place before you visualize something. We solved a problem with three steps, the problem, the action, the solution, with ideas to use this method if you work with schools, sports, or in the workplace. Then we looked at improving memory, and we learned the three-finger technique. Some final thoughts? As we close out this episode, I want to reinforce that solving problems using the screen of your mind is something that takes some practice. This isn't something I've mastered yet, but as I said, the purpose of these episodes are to see how we can all improve our own meditation practices. It's only been nine days for me now practicing the countdown method, And I'm noticing I can access this beautiful alpha brain state quicker than I did from the first day, and now I've got improved focus and clarity. My current goal is to be in better control of the images that I see on the screen of my mind. Right now, it's taken a lot of effort to override what I can see that's already there and put something new on my screen that I want to create. When I need to access this state in the day, I'm using the three-finger technique and finding another solution to instantly calm my brain. I'd obviously love to solve all my problems overnight, but that's not how the Silva program was designed. It's a journey of the mind that I think is fascinating. Once we learn to use our mind to train it, Jose Silva says, it will do some astounding things for us, as you'll soon see. I can see how many of Jose Silva's techniques have created geniuses, as Howard Berg, the world's fastest speed reader, used similar strategies, as well as the two-time World Guinness record holder, Dave Farrow. So to close out this episode today, I want to thank you for listening and coming on this journey with me. I'd love to hear what you notice if you've tried out the exercises with your field of work. And with that, I'll close out for now, and I'll see you in a few days with episode 163 on speed learning and creative sleep. See you next time. 
If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 